Good evening, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs> it is um, good to uh, see you all here for our third Army Bible Camp. And uh, I'm excited. How about you? Um, let me ask you, how many of you right now <clears throat> are ex- experience, experiencing a, an excitement and anticipation regarding the outcome of these meetings? Like, are you really, really excited? Are you really, really anticipating? We've, we've come here tonight to learn how to, uh, how to study the Word of God. We've come this week to learn how to study the Word of God. And by God's grace, uh, you will be equipped uh, with the tools you need to be able to break this book down for yourself. Amen? So I want to invite you to pray with me as we um, begin our opening message tonight. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us in so many different ways. And now, Lord, we're asking that your presence would come and tabernacle with us in a mighty way. Prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord. Show us wonderful things out of thy word. And Father, I ask a special prayer that you would hide me behind your cross. Lord, this is no easy or simple task. Speak, Lord, tonight to your people. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I've entitled the message tonight, The Hidden Manna. The Hidden Manna. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Revelation, chapter 2, verse 17. When you get there, say amen. Amen. That was a weak amen. Amen. When you get there, amen. 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 Bible says there in verse 17, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the what? The hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receives it. Hidden manna. Have you ever read this verse and wondered, hidden manna, what is that? What is it? Tonight we're going to discover what hidden manna is. And we're going to begin by looking in the Old Testament because we want to find out what does God mean when he, when he uses this word manna. What is manna? Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Notice with me verse 3. The Bible says there, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with what? 
manna. Now pause right here. How many of you remember how God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness with manna? What did he do? He rained manna down from heaven and he fed the children of Israel in this manner. And notice what the Bible says why he did this. It says, He suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So according to this verse, the manna is to signify what? The word of God. Amen? Manna represents the word of God. And so when the Bible makes a reference to hidden manna, what we begin to understand is that the word of God is not so easily understood on the surface, is it? In other words, have you ever read a verse and, and, and you just, you may have read that verse a thousand times and then someone else comes along and says, oh man, look what I discovered in this verse. And you go, wait a minute, I didn't see. See. <laughs> if you can't see something, what is it? It's hidden. <laughs> have you ever wondered, how is it that this person was able to get this out of the verse and I couldn't see it? Man, it was hidden to me. Isn't it beautiful that God promises to, give, promises to give us hidden manna? How many of you would like to receive hidden manna? I want you to notice something else about the manna. Exodus chapter 16, verse 13. Exodus chapter 16. Exodus 16, verse 13. The Bible tells us here, and it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew laid round about the host. And when the dew that was laid was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. The manna God had laid out, God had rained down from heaven. And who can tell me what did this manna taste like? Who remembers? The Bible says it tasted like what? Like honey. <laughs> is anybody with me yet? <laughs> honey is sweet to the taste. God says, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm going to give you hidden manna. What is hidden manna? Hidden manna is sweet. Beloved, do you know that the word of God is to be sweet to your taste? When you begin to, I don't know if you've ever had the experience, you're sitting down and, and you're, you're looking through the word and suddenly you make a discovery. Have you ever felt the sweetness of making a discovery? In the word of God. Something that you didn't know before that when you saw it, you go, oh man, this is sweet. <laughs> In fact, I want you to notice with me Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Beginning with verse 97. The Bible tells us here. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. 
Thou through thy, through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than what? Honey to my mouth. It is God's desire to give you hidden manna. It is God's desire to give you such a sweet experience with his word that you will never desire anything else. He calls it hidden manna. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And please notice with me verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now let me ask you a question. What is a mystery? Something that is what? That is hidden. Did you know that the Bible calls the gospel a mystery? So if the gospel or the word of God is a mystery, and the Bible also says, or, or did we, we understand a mystery to be something hidden, then, beloved, what we're seeing here is that the word of God, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the hidden mystery of the Bible. But notice what it goes on to say. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So some people, God gives understanding of this mystery, and others, to others, it remains what? Hidden. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 tells us, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 tells us this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. In whom the God of this world has what? Blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Why is it that people read the word of God and do not uh, see the mystery? Why is it hidden to them? Because their minds have been what? Blinded. Blinded by the things of this world. Beloved, I want to encourage you, if you want to get deeper in your Bible study... Do not focus your mind upon the things of this world. Because when you focus your mind upon the things of this world, and then you try to look to the Bible to, to, to try to discern the hidden truths of the word of God, you're not going to be able to see it because you've been blinded. If you want the truths of the word of God, you must seek it with everything you have. I want you to notice with me again Matthew chapter 13, a point that illustrates this, a verse that illustrates this point very well. Matthew chapter 13, 
Matthew 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto treasure hid in a field in which when a man has found, he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he has and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. Beloved, the word of God, the word of God is like that pearl. The word of God is like that field. Imagine walking out into a field and uh, stumbling upon treasure. How would you feel about that field? How many of you would suddenly experience an excitement and anticipation about the outcome of owning that field. <laughs> Seriously, this man finds one piece of treasure and he is so excited about what he has found that all of a sudden the field in which he was looking has now risen in value and he's ready to purchase the whole field. Why? Because he realizes that if there was treasure there, there must be treasure in other places of the field. Beloved, here is the field. And if you find, if you can find one precious gem, let me tell you, when that moment you discover one precious gem, you know what? This book goes up in value. Wow! Oh, man, I want to go back and find more. Suddenly, you have this exciting, this anticipation. Can I tell you something about the Word of God? If you're walking around a field like, oh, I'm never going to find anything here, and you're just kind of kicking the dirt around, you think you're going to find anything? No. Now, compare that with the guy who's out there with all his metal detecting stuff. I mean, he's just bogged down. You're like, man, this guy it must be looking for something, right? <laughs> he is expecting to find something. There is an anticipation. We might say that that field has him in suspense. What word did I use? Suspense. You want to know what the definition for the word suspense is? A pleasurable excitement and anticipation regarding an outcome. Let me ask it again. How many of you have a, an excitement regarding the outcome of this weekend? <laughs> How many of you are in suspense about what you're going to learn over these upcoming days? Beloved, let me tell you something. The Word of God, the Word of God, is the greatest mystery this world will ever know. It is the greatest mystery this world will ever see. And we have the privilege. God has given us this book. He says, here's the field. I want you to go, and I want you to anticipate finding treasure. Beloved, if you go to the Word of God without anticipation, I guarantee you, you're not going to find much. How do you approach this field? How do you approach... The Word of God. I like to put it this way. The Bible is the greatest suspense in all the world. 
You know, when I was little, I used to love a suspense story. Anybody used to like suspense stories? Because a good suspense would always leave you hanging till the end, right? It always left you wanting more, wanting to know, well, what happens next? Beloved, every time I open the Bible, before I go open the Bible, and I, before I, do you know that I get excited before I open the Bible? You say, Pastor, what? Yeah, it's like, oh. why are you so happy? I'm going to find something. Oh, man. Do you know what you're going to find? No, not yet. But I'm just going to get excited right now. Why? Because I know that God is the author of this book. He has hidden treasure. I want you to listen to a few statements here. Testimonies, volume volume 5, page 266. It says this. I want you to listen carefully. In the scriptures, thousands of gems of truth lie hidden from the surface seeker. Okay, now, I don't know if you are... Got the significance of that. In the scriptures, thousands, can you say that word with me? Thousands of gems lie hidden from the surface seeker. Are you a surface seeker? Are you a, I wonder what I'll find today. (laughs) Or do you go to the word of God in anticipation, in suspense, knowing God is going to show me something. I don't know what he's going to show me yet, but man, when I see it, oh boy. How do you approach the word of God? She continues, the mind of truth is never exhausted. The more you search the scripture with humble hearts, the greater will be your interest, and the more you will feel like exclaiming with Paul, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. The more you search the scripture, listen to what else is said, Review and Herald, June 4th, 1889. Searching means to compare scripture with scripture and spiritual things with spiritual. We should not be satisfied with a superficial knowledge. We should search for the hidden treasure concealed beneath the surface as the merchant man seeks for goodly pearls. You see that? We're to go beneath the scripture. We're to go beneath the surface. And when we go beneath the surface, God has a thousand gems waiting for us. Beloved, be careful of opening the word of God and going, oh, I've read this story before. Come on, have you ever done that? Oh, I've read the, oh, oh, yeah, that one. Oh, I got that one before. I saw that one before. I got all there is to get from that. When you say that, beloved, it shows that you, you have highly misunderstood or underestimated the word of God. Amen. Listen to what else she goes on to say here. Review on Herald, October 14th, 1890. He, that is Jesus, spoke of the truths of the Bible as a treasure hid in the field, which when a man had found, he went and sold all that he had and brought the field. He represents the gems of truth, not as lying directly upon the surface, but as buried deep in the ground, as hidden treasures, or what, what, would, we, what would we say, hidden manna. As hidden treasures that must be searched for, we must dig for the precious jewels of truth as a man would dig in a mine. 
Those who dig beneath the surface discover the hidden gems of truth. The Holy Spirit is present with the earnest searcher. It illuminates, it illum, its illumination shines upon the word, stamping the truth upon the mind with a new and fresh importance. The searcher is filled with a sense of peace and joy never before felt. How many of you want peace and joy? Beloved, the best moments that you can experience of peace and joy is when you discover hidden gems, hidden manna in the word of God. And then she says the truths of the Bible are as pearls, hidden. Beloved, this is very simple then. Your object in Bible study is to search for hidden manna. Did you, did you get that? When you go to the word of God, Lord, show me. I want hidden manna. Show me things I haven't seen before. Do you think there's things you haven't seen before in the word of God? God, show me things I haven't seen before. You know, um, when you find something precious, you know, you make it, whoa. Somebody might see it and go, man, what is that? What is it? Do you know what the word manna means? What is it? <laughs> Just imagine you find, whoa! What, what, what is it? <laughs> whoa! What, what is it? Oh, it's, it's manna. What'd you just discover? Oh, man, wait till you see this. Wait till you hear this. It's hidden manna, beloved. Every time you open the Bible, you say, Lord, show me things I have not seen before. Take me deeper in the word of God. But, beloved, the manna is more than just the word of God. I want you to notice with me John chapter 6, verse 50. John chapter 6 and verse 50. Notice what the Bible tells us here. John chapter 6 and verse 50, the Bible says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. And then Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If a man, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my what? Flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So let me ask you a question. What does Jesus himself equate the manna with? Himself. But not just himself. Himself in a certain action. Himself in doing what? Giving himself as a sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. So, beloved, get the picture then. The hidden manna points us to the sacrifice of Christ. Do you realize that Ellen White tells us we will be studying the sacrifice of Christ throughout all eternity? <laughs> Think about that. So this gives us another clue to help us in our Bible study. Whenever we study the word of God, we should be searching for the what? Hidden manna, which, let, which tells us then, beloved, that every story in the word of God must have something to do ultimately with what? 
Jesus and his sacrifice. Do you realize what begins to happen when you find the cross in every story that you read? And you begin to go, whoa. And somebody says, what is it? And you go, manna. Are you with me? This is the hidden manna. So you say, Pastor, find the cross. Find the cross. Like, what do you mean find the cross in every story? How can I find the cross in in, in Samson and his story? How can you find the cross? How can I find the cross, Pastor? You want me to, can I show you some hidden manna? Samson is betrayed by the woman that he loves. He's blinded and beaten. Is anybody seeing hidden manna anywhere? <laughs> he is taken between two pillars. And the Bible says he stretches out his hands and grabs hold of both pillars. And the Bible tells us that Samson bowed his head Somebody must have tasted something sweet just now because I heard some mmm. <laughs> the Bible says he bowed his head and when he pushed, the Bible says that he slew more in his death than when he was alive. Did anybody see some hidden manna just now? <laughs> Beloved, when we begin to search the word of God for the hidden manna, I am telling you, you will be richly, richly, richly rewarded. Jesus Christ on the cross is that manna, and we will find the manna in some of the most unlikeliest places, places we never thought to look. But beloved, let me tell you that if you want to find manna, let me tell you what many of you are doing. You're looking for manna at the wrong time. You see, you remember the story. When God would rain manna down for the children of Israel, he would rain it down how many days of the week? Six days of the week. But on what day? What day did God not give manna? Sabbath. So you know what we do? We come to church every Sabbath looking for manna. I'm not being fed. (laughs) This makes no sense to me. (laughs) Beloved, could it be because God was like, look, when I was trying to pour out manna for you on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, what were you doing? You were too busy when I was pouring out manna, and now you come on Sabbath looking for manna, and there is none. (laughs) Point. Beloved, you must search the word of God every day. Study the word of God every day, and the more you study, the more you train your mind. Yes, I have a confession to make. I didn't go to school. I wasn't blessed with the opportunity to, to you know, go through the, the normal course. So you know what? God had to teach me himself. And can I tell you something? God can teach you himself. 
I'm not saying don't go to school. I'm just saying don't ever think, well, I can't learn because I have a disadvantage. God can teach you how to study the Word of God more than any one of us ministers up here over this weekend could ever teach you. You ultimately want to get connected with Jesus Christ. So, beloved, the Word of God, manna, hidden manna, must be searched for, and it can be found sometimes in the most unlikeliest places. Tonight, I want to share with you a parable. I'm going to try to do this quickly. I want to share with you some hidden manna. Would you like some more hidden manna? Now, we're going to look at a power. Beloved, let me tell you, the Word of God is the best suspense in all the world. Tonight, I want to take you through a story full of suspense that will keep you on the edge of your seat. You're dying to know what the story is. It is a story of the prodigal son. (laughs) Oh, man, I mean, I thought he was going to go somewhere else. Pastor, I've heard this parable before. Beloved, the parable of the prodigal son is an incredible suspense when we rightly understand it. A good suspense always leaves you hanging till the end. I want you to notice with me Luke chapter 15. We're going to look for hidden manna tonight. Luke chapter 15, I will share with you an example of what it means to search for hidden manna. Luke 15, Luke 15, beginning with verse 10. The Bible tells us here, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. Here's a parable. Two sons. The younger wants all his stuff. Now, Lord, open our understanding. We've read the story before. Lord, enlarge this this story for us. Help us to see hidden manna. Help us to see things we have not seen before. And so the Lord begins to show us. You know, this this is something similar to what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Give me what belongs to me. You know that that entitlement thing? You know, the youngest son is like, give me what's mine. I want what's mine. You know, in the Garden of Eden, God had given Adam and Eve everything that they needed for happiness and joy. And the devil said, yeah, there's something you're yet lacking. God has said you can have everything, but there's one thing that you can't touch, and that is what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it's as though Adam and Eve said, look, I want everything. I want everything. It's interesting. Do you know that, uh, you know, the youngest creation of God is humanity? 
We're kind of like that youngest son. You know, God had other sons. He had other angels that were created. and all. But humanity was the last creation, the youngest creation. And we, just like that youngest son, says, I want my stuff. I've had enough of you, Dad. Remember? I want to go and do my own thing. But you see, God had warned them. He said, the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Did Adam and Eve die that day? Can you imagine the suspense? What word did I use? Suspense. As, as, as you see there, God telling Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree. And the devil now approaches them and he's trying to convince them. And if you're watching this story, you're going, well, you don't know. You're going, will, he eat? will they eat from the tree or will they not? What will they do now? And you watch in suspense as Eve takes that fruit and eats. And then you know what's coming next, right? They're going to drop down dead. But what happens? God comes to the garden. And do you remember what happens? An animal is slain. Does anybody see hidden manna? What does that slain animal point to? Who does it point to? It points to Jesus Christ. In that moment, man was granted a stay. Do you know what a stay is? When Adam and Eve received a death sentence and they were to die, they were on death row, but they received a stay. What is a stay? It is to suspend or delay a legal action or execution. There was a suspension, what word did I use? Of the death sentence. A good suspense leaves you hanging till the end. But but I want you to notice what happens here. You see, uh, beloved, there are people today, you got to understand, mankind exists today. We are walking and talking today because of the blessings of God back there in the garden. The Bible says that God causes the sun and the rain to fall on the what? Just and the unjust. It's amazing. This prodigal son says, give me what's mine. I'm going to go out and do what I want to do with what's mine. How many of you have lived your life like that? God has given you a talent to, 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 to be a leader. And you say, give me what's mine. I'm going to take my talent and go do what I want to do with it. I'm going to go lead people into violence. I'm going to go lead people into, into drugs. I'm going to go lead people to do things. I'm going to be a leader for the devil. Give me what's mine. God gives you a voice to sing like an angel, and you use it to sing like the devil. God gives you talents, and you say, give me what's mine. I'm going to use my gifts, the gifts you've given me to go do what I want to do. And this is exactly what the son does in the parable. He takes his father's gifts and he goes out and he begins to spend these things living 
living the life of a full-time sinner. Notice with me verse 13 of the parable. Luke 15 and verse 13. The Bible says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a where? A far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Can you see the suspense in your mind? He left thinking, ha, you know, this is going to last forever. And then suddenly he finds himself out of money, out of everything. And in your mind, you begin to wonder, what will he do now? Is he going to go back home or how is he going to work this out? The Bible tells us, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty what? Famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Do you know God is good? Do you know that sometimes God will bring famine into your life? <laughs> to bring you to a place <laughs> where you begin to like start to think straight? It's funny when things are good, you don't think straight. And then when things get real bad, then you like start to wisen up and become what? Wow. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Beloved, sometimes God allows famine to come into your life so that, because the Bible tells us that God is not what willing that any should what? Should perish. And I like how verse 17 says it when he came, or verse 16, the Bible says, uh, uh, well, let's go back to verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed what? Swine. How low has this son gone? How low has he gone? Can you see the suspense? His father evidently is rich, but he's here of feeding swine. And the Bible tells us he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. He was eating swine's food, eating after the pigs. How many of us are out there eating after the pigs? No man gave him the eight, verse 17, and when he came to himself. Pause. Do you know what that indicates? If you come to yourself, it means that you weren't there before. <laughs> Is that right? Do you know sometimes, you know, you know what it means to be out of your mind? <laughs> Not home? <laughs> Do you know how sometimes we can have people, you know, you can be so out of your, your, your friends and your family like, man, you're not home, man. Where are, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Remember that parable of the, uh, the guy that, you know, um, had, was possessed with a demon? And then Jesus comes in and cleans the house. The Bible says the demons are cast out. But then they come back with seven more demons and they find it what? Empty. And I used to say it was empty because Jesus wasn't there, but now I realize it was also empty because the owner of the house wasn't there either. <laughs> Sometimes you can just check out and not be home. 
The Bible says this young man comes to himself. And notice what he says. Notice what it is that brings him to his senses. Luke 15, verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? Now, let me just get excited for you. Because if you haven't seen it yet, somebody should be going, hmm. Where's the manna? What is it that causes the prodigal to go, man, what am I doing? He's hungry and he's thinking about bread. Beloved, if you are out there, if you are living a life where you, are, where you know you're going against the will of God, God has something that he's hoping will draw you back to him. Bread. The son says, wait a minute, wait a minute. My father has so much bread in his home. Bread enough to feed the servants, all the servants. I mean, just imagine you're out there in the slop and you're thinking back. I mean, think back when Jesus fed the multitude of 5,000 with bread and there was bread left over. This bread, this bread brings this, the son back to his, his, he's going, wait a minute, bread, bread. My father has enough bread but beloved we just learned that that bread is not just the word of god very specifically speaking the bread is who jesus christ doing what sacrificing himself for our sins what is it that brings the prodigal back home but the sacrifice of jesus christ Oh, beloved, the suspense grows because you know that's what Jesus... The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, beloved, the parable doesn't really do God justice. You see, in the parable, the son gets up and says, let me go and get bread. Beloved, in reality, God sent the bread to the son in the pig pen. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave. He sent the bread. He didn't wait for us to go, oh, okay, well, let me go back to... No, he sent the manna to us. God is not willing that any should perish. God finds us in our lowest places. He finds us in the prison house. He finds us in the, on the street corners. He finds us wherever we are. And he says, I'm sending bread to you. That's how much I love you. Will you come home now? And so, beloved, I want you to imagine this suspense in your mind. 
God from heaven looking down on the prodigal son of humanity. And he says, I'm going to send bread to you. And you know what he did? He sent his son down just like he rained manna from heaven. Let me ask you a question. How did humanity respond when God gave us his son? What did humanity do? Humanity rejected the son. Or let's put it this way. God said here. Humanity said no thank you here. So get the picture. God sends his son the bread, the manna, the bread of life. But mankind says no thank you. And they lift Jesus up. So here Jesus is now, beloved, suspended between heaven and earth. A good suspense. Leaves you hanging. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, what is it that drew the prodigal son? When he realizes this is how much God gave for me and this is how much I have rejected him and he still loves me, what? I did all this to my father and he still extends his hand? It is, the, it is Christ suspended between heaven and earth that draws the prodigal back home. A good suspense leaves you hanging till the end. But beloved, I want you to understand the suspense grows even more because as you see Jesus suspended between heaven and earth, you ask yourself the question, here is God on the cross. What is he going to do? Is he going to allow himself to die? Will he come down from the cross? What's going to happen? You know, the disciples were in suspense. Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of angels to my rescue. Come on, can you feel the suspense? What, is he going to call the 12 angels? What is he going to do? And beloved, we watch with awe as Jesus is suspended from life for us. A good suspense leaves you hanging till the end. Jesus could have come down from the cross, but beloved, he hung there till the end. And now 
here the Son of God is, suspended from life. And we wonder, what did this accomplish? The suspense grows because we suddenly discover, according to the book Amazing Grace, listen to what Ellen White says, the atonement of Christ sealed forever the everlasting covenant of, covenant of grace. It was the fulfilling of every condition upon which God suspended the free communication of grace to the human family. Every barrier was then broken down which intercepted the freest exercise of grace, mercy, peace, and love to the most guilty of Adam's race. Do you know what happened? The barrier that was between God and man was suspended as a result of Jesus' suspension between heaven and earth. A good suspense leaves you hanging till the end. And so, beloved, now that we see what this sacrifice has done, this prodigal son returns home. He is drawn back. And what does the father do? The father clothes him. And you know what he says? He says, my son was what? Was lost, but now is found. He also says, he was dead and is now alive. What does it mean in biblical language to be dead and now alive? It means to be born again. But something has to happen when you're born again. Jesus says, if you will follow after me, take up your what? Cross and follow me. Why does he want you to follow him? Because a good suspense <laughs> Okay, I'll let you know. A good suspense, beloved, leaves you A good suspense leaves you hanging. You see, Jesus wants the flesh to die. And beloved, when you take up the cross, you know what happens to the flesh? The flesh, the actions of the flesh are themselves suspended. Are you with me? Anybody ever been suspended from school? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, no, I don't want to be suspended. No, you're going to be suspended. Beloved, this is what the flesh, please don't suspend me. No, you're suspended. <laughs> when, you are t when you take up your cross and go to that place of sacrifice, God says, because you have obeyed me and been drawn by my sacrifice, my gift to you is that I will suspend the actions of your flesh. How many of you want the actions of your flesh suspended? You see, beloved, there is a time coming. We know it as the time of trouble. Jesus said, he that endures unto the end shall be 
saved. What does he mean, he that endures until the end? Endures what? When Jesus says, get on the cross, he never says, come down. (laughs) Does he? He says, stay there. Why? Because the devil is the one who says, come on, come down from the cross. But beloved, the good suspense of Jesus Christ will leave you. Yes. (laughs) Will leave you. The devil will say, come down. I'm hanging till the end. (laughs) A good suspense will leave you hanging till the end so that no matter what the devil does, no matter what the temptation, you will stay faithful to God because you will remain hidden. You will remain upon that cross. The suspension of Christ between heaven and earth is designed to leave us hanging until the end. And beloved, as we look at this power and begin to realize it is the cross of Christ that draws the prodigal son back. It is a cross of Christ that will draw me back. We begin to see what hidden matter. I didn't know the cross was in the story of the prodigal son. I didn't know that that's what draws back. I didn't know. God says, yeah, but I opened your eyes to it. And I can do this for you in every other story of the word of God that you read. I can show you hidden manna. But beloved, there's something else that we need to understand about this concept of hidden manna. You see, in Deuteronomy 29, the Bible says that the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and our children forever. Amen? So listen, beloved, please, are you ready for this? Everything that is revealed belongs to us. So you find some deep truth in the word of God. God says, yeah, that belongs to you. That's yours. But, but if you were to go back to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, Lord, have mercy. When Jesus says, I will give him hidden manna, it's, it, 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 there's a qualification to that statement. Because it says, to him that overcomes, when do you overcome? When do you finally overcome? The second, just before Jesus comes again, that is the final overcoming. You've overcome the beast, the image, the mark. You've overcome everything. And then God says, okay, for those who have overcome and are now in heaven, to you I will give hidden manna. And you're going, what, Lord, hidden manna? And he says, yes. The things that your mind could not have even begun to comprehend. What, Lord? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, see, the stuff that I was giving you on earth, those were just crumbs. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but when manna was rained down from heaven, the Bible said they looked like small pieces, tiny pieces. 
of bread. Do you remember the story of the lady who was like, Lord, Lord, but even the dogs deserve crumbs from the table, from the master's table. Remember that story? Beloved, listen to me. Every deep truth, all the deep truths that you're going to hear throughout this, this upcoming week, and I want you to remember one thing, that in the light of heaven, they are simply crumbs from the master's table. Only when we get to heaven with our perfected minds will we realize just how unsearchable are the riches and the glory of the gospel. Beloved, I'll make an appeal to you tonight. God wants to give you hidden manna. But those not, that really, those are just crumbs. He said, Lord, please fill me with the crumbs. Teach me how to see the unseen things of your word. Teach me to go deeper. Lord, let me not look at the Bible the way that I've always looked. Let me look deeper beneath the surface. Lord, please, I want to see Jesus on every page of the word of God. If that's your desire, I want you to just raise your hand. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, we have seen a glimpse of hidden manna. Lord, we desire more than anything else to be drawn to Jesus. We understand, Lord, that a good suspense leaves one hanging till the end, and so it was with, with Jesus. He was suspended between heaven and earth. He hung until the end, and Lord, he desires, Father, he desires for us to do the same. Teach us, Lord, to hang until the end. Lord, teach us to desire the sweet Word of God, teach us over these next few days, Lord, how to find that hidden manna. Open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear. Help us, Lord, not to be lazy searchers, but, Lord, to dig diligently for that precious, gem of truth. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen.